Sermon notes. This is where we try to we, we just try to come alongside what we're teaching here on Sunday morning in Fellowship Fayetteville, and and, and give deeper insight in the passage. Talk through the passage for not only us in our small groups, but also in our personal study. Uh, I'm Garland, and I've got Steve Graves with us here. Hello, today Garland. you'll be teaching this uh, this Sunday here in Fellowship Fayetteville, and um, we're we're in our I am statements. We introduced the series last week, and as we continue looking at the I am statements, we're going to jump from chapter six over to chapter eight. And so John, very brilliant and strategically is giving us Jewish festivals, Jewish calendar things, but having Jesus do significant things at those festivals or at those calendars. And here we get uh, another famous statement of Jesus as he exclaims, I am the light of the world. So uh, let's talk about John eight. Absolutely. Great. Thanks. uh, Thanks for letting me be with you today. So um, before we jump specifically into that second claim of Jesus about being the light of the world, um, I think it's really interesting. I think we have in the Gospel of John, we have the greatest introduction of Jesus of himself, by himself, with these seven I am statements. And a lot of times we don't realize, but there was this constant, um, there was a constant thing happening in and around Jesus's life uh, since the first day he stepped into his uh, his adult human ministry, okay? And the, the thing that was going on was people were saying, who is this guy? Mm-hmm. And the thing that was really interesting is Jesus always pressed people to ask that question and to answer that question. Mm-hmm. And so, and this was with his friends, his family, his neighbors, the scribes and Pharisees, political leaders, business leaders, religious leaders, everybody. And he was always saying, great. And then he even a couple, two, three times would say, well, who do you think I am? Who right. do you think I am? And And the reason that's important is because they were trying to figure out a label for him. Was he the incredible scholarly teacher? Was he the uh, miracle worker? You know, was he the great uh, uh, people recruiter? Right. You know, he's recruiting disciples, et cetera. Was he the insurrectionist? Who was he? And and a lot of these, when we open up the Gospel of John, what we have is we have this running, kind of this running scene where Jesus is always pressing people to answer, who do you think I am? And, and then in that setup or that stage comes the Gospel of John, these great seven I am statements that are not the same thing. They're, they're different, but they feed off of each other from the Old Testament, obviously, of, of I am. So when we finally get down to—so does that make sense? Yep. You, yep. Thoughts about mm-hmm. that? It was just interesting that John, in chapter 1, he comes out of the gate with this 18-verse brilliant that almost sounds poetically philosophical. And then we get the scene with Jesus— and Nathaniel, and it ends with this invitation to the reader by John, come and see. Both Nathaniel's told that, and then Jesus says it, hey, come and see. And then the rest of the book is begging not only Jesus's audience, but the reader is invited to ask that same question, who is this man? Come and see, but it's going to put some demands on the reader to really figure out who this Jesus is. So yeah, it's insightful that you're saying that. Yeah. Um, I, th- I think when I was thinking about this particular uh, section of scripture again, I just was I was just I was just reminded of how many times Jesus presses people, whether it's his family, anybody, he presses them to process 
everything that they have seen and heard and felt and experienced with him and then come to some kind of conclusion. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's always doing that. And that's that's part of the things he was always doing with the scribes and Pharisees. I mean, this notion that he walked away from them and never tried to engage them is crazy. He was always trying to get them to do the same thing. They just were stubborn and ignorant and, you know, um, and just wouldn't do it. So then we, we, we turn over into John chapter 7, uh, as you mentioned, and we have the Feast of the Tabernacles or the shelters or the booths or the tents, depends on which translation mm-hmm, right. you're reading, um, which is that annual time that everybody takes a road trip to Jerusalem. And the road trip is with a, a road trip with a purpose. It's not just another fun, let's get together with a bunch of friends and, and, and make, a, you know, stop at all the fun restaurants mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. And, and have make great memories. Uh, it, it, the purpose was to galvanize their thinking around how God had taken care of them in their past and then make a, yet a, a refortified commitment to the year ahead of them that God would take their, care of them again. So then we come through that in John 7, and then when we get to John 8, it, it, you know, Jesus steps into that moment, um, the last day of the festival, the big cauldron lamps, 75-foot lamps have burned out after the seventh day. Jesus steps in, and he basically says, I'm the light of the world. Um, I think, you know, Garland, in my mind, the interesting twist that happens is Jesus was, he was taking everything that they had thought about that light had done. You know, he he was taking that and he was actually adding this twist on it, which shows up back in John chapter one that you mentioned. And the twist was, is that all of this thinking of the light is poured into a person, right? And it's poured into me. Mm-hmm. And that's when he personalized the first person's "I am this, I am that, I am that." And in this one, it's "I am the light of the world." Um, so the tabernacle feast, the festival that week, certainly helped set the stage. Every single person would have had great memory, great expectations. I'm sure the teenagers were rolling their eyes again when they had to hear the same old stories, <laughs> same old punchlines. We're going there again. We're going yeah, there again. Yeah. Oh, yep, those here family, we go. Here we yep. go. Here we go again. Yeah, but but it was just part of their part of their tradition and part of their heritage. Um, one of the things we see in the Gospel of John, and I, I'd love to have you react to this. One of the things we see in the Gospel of John is is Jesus was trying to. This is the incarnational movement of the New Testament. It, it's all this concept of taking how do we connect to God through sacrifices and obedience and principles and following sacraments and all that. And it was kind of like I got to follow Jesus. I basically got to. Am I going to follow this guy or not? Mm-hmm. You know. And so that's what's happening. So when he stands up and says, "I'm the light of the world." We have all of that backdrop of what the light does, but the but the big piece was is is is, it's I am, Mm -hmm. you know. Will you process who I say I am, and are you willing to kind of come to a conclusion about that in your life? Is the question. It's a it's a dramatic claim, and when I when I think about the passage, even you talking about here we go again, the same story. We all as humans have. We have calendars that mark our year. We do it even as modern Americans. We, we're not ancient Jews, but we certainly have our Thanksgiving traditions and our Fourth of July traditions oh, and Christmas traditions. And you can imagine what it would be like. I mean, I, I, I think about what an equivalent of what Jesus is saying would feel like. There's a reason by the end of this chapter they are trying to throw him off a hill. There's a reason that they're <laughs> trying to, to kill him because imagine at a Thanksgiving Fourth of July uh, you know, parade and Fourth of July fireworks, and you got the grill, and everybody's out there with the flags, and the and they're waiting on the fu- the fireworks. Imagine somebody standing up in that scene and that crowd, 
And everybody's got the anticipation. We all have got the symbols. We know what they mean. We do it year after year and going, hey, you know all that this has been pointing to. Uh-huh. It's actually pointing to me. Yep. Like that would be like, you know, the true freedom and liberty is found in me and the true bravery, like all the symbolism, but it's even more loaded because it's filled with ideas about who Yahweh, their God was. Right. And so I think when we, we, you know, I read a passage like I in a lot of the world, I go, oh, that's so comforting. And uh, I, yeah, I've heard that Jesus is the light. But when we set it against that backdrop, you're totally right. It's you need to wrestle through the claim that I'm making. And this is dramatic. And it puts a demand on you, which is why, as we read it, the very right after the passage, it says they want to take him out. Right. Um, and so there's a reason they want to, because you can't say that. Come right. on, man. We, we've we been doing this for a thousand years. And he goes, no, it's always been pointing to me. Right. That's that's a lot. That's a lot to swallow. Yeah, it is. And, and, and what it does, Garland, is this. Um, I think creeping up through the text is this, um, it's this interesting display of darkness. Because you know, and this is actually something that I that I um, that I had some time thinking about, and when I was working on this particular text, you know, sometimes we're not comfortable with with thinking about and handling darkness. You know, sometimes we're just we have an aversion to thinking about the dark side mm-hmm. of life, the things that are dark, and you know, things that are evil. And and the thing about it is in the scriptures from the from the opening chapter of Genesis to the closing chapter of Revelation, there's this light dark. There's this contrast that's set up. And on one side is light and life and God, true God, and on the other is death and darkness and all the things that would oppose the true God, counterfeit gods, enemies of God, all that. Okay, and there's just this battle of light and dark going on all the way through the text. You know, two or three hundred uh, verses I, I think there are um, through the whole thing. So I was, I was thinking about darkness a little bit, and and you really you really need, again, the kind of the setting and the stage, the backdrop. If darkness is not real and darkness is not danger, there's really not that big of a need for a light, right? You know, but but if you buy into the fact mm-hmm. that we have darkness, and that darkness can be as 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 pervasive as a global problem, or it can be as personal as a moral sin that I'm trying to hide in the closet. Or an addiction. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It could be it could be anything and anything in between. But it's it's when again back to this the thing that Jesus was pressing on on all of these people. It was like, look, will you own what's going on with you? And then will you accept what what I'm saying who I say I am mm-hmm. and to see if that can be a solution for your darkness. Mm-hmm. And I think I think there's a lot of darkness happening <laughs> happening in that particular scene that Jesus was speaking into. When you think about even, even, and this is one of the purposes of this podcast even is, you know, these are some of the discussion that, that we might have, you know, sitting across a coffee shop that might take an hour and a half to sort of work through passages and themes in the Bible that in a sermon, you know, you have to cut that down. And so if you're a small group leader in your personal Devo, listen to this, uh, you know, thinking through the motifs or the themes of it right out of the gate in the, the second passage, the second verse of our Bible, you know, the darkness is hovering over the waters, but what does God do? He dispels that darkness. Right. He pushes it back. John chapter one, the first few verses, he's the light that pushes against the darkness. Right. And so this idea that he's coming to bring 
the good, like goodness to the world and blessing to the world. That's actually a that's a meta biblical motif, a meta biblical theme that the Exodus story really captures well, and that's what they're commemorating. And Jesus says, "Now, but this is the true." Exodus story, the whole thing is really pointing to what God's doing, bringing light in the world. But now that is, that's consummated in me. Like right. it's finding its ultimate fulfillment in me. And uh, yeah, I think, I think to, to reflect as a community group or as an individual on if we're all, you know, bright little lights and there's no real need, then okay. Another, yet another light. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. if yeah. there truly is this, this, force pushing back against the light and we see it in a micro and a macro way, then man, the light becomes really needed. It becomes exposing. Um, It becomes illuminating, beautiful. And so, uh, well, and I think a lot of times Garland to, to that point, I think a lot of times what we do with this particular past is, is we make it a one-time transactional thing. We, we, we make it the salvation or the salvific moment, Mm -hmm. the salvific calling and so, and that's that's all true and real, and we all believe that that we all need to move from a spiritual darkness to a spiritual light, and that's very true. But but a lot of times, this is why this is why we we really find ourselves drawn to adult conversions or or people who seem to come out of the dark. The bad, with, really with, bad story. Because, yeah, yeah. because mm-hmm. darkness is, we see darkness for, for, for darkness. Mm-hmm. And the light makes a dramatic difference in the way that person's life is going to show up every we day. We see the beauty in we it. Show the yeah. beauty. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And so I think, you know, and the interesting part is when Jesus, he showed us a clear path out of darkness, which was following him. And the assumption there is that it's it's not just a one-time, make a decision, check a, check the box, I'm in heaven, and now I'm I'm off and rolling. That person's going to find themselves basically living in the dark, mm-hmm. you know, because mm-hmm. they're not activating that that personal incarnational connection to mm-hmm. to God through Christ. Um, so yeah, I just I was thinking about the I was thinking about the need for community group leaders to make sure that they help people um, apply this to kind of today after. After some years back in my spiritual journey, I decided to follow the light of the world 14 years ago. But mm-hmm. guess what? Today, I've still got to figure out how am I going to follow the light of the world in the in the in the way I'm doing life today. Mm-hmm. It's it's probably not coincidental that not only will John uh, speak of walking in the light all over the place in his letters, Paul picks up on that thing. Oh, yeah. So uh, you might even you might even think of it as as a far. Uh, far opposite of a one-time static moment. Rather, this is a, I'm almost joining the light. I'm mm-hmm. a part of the light. And so where I go, I'm actually walking and bringing that thing, which is both exposing and should be bringing beauty into all the spaces that, I, that I'm that i a part of, you know, from both our, our hobbies, neighborhoods, work, all of that stuff is me bringing light, the the beauty of that to those spaces. Um, and so that that's that's a, that's a very different perspective, and that's what a Jew a Jew in the first century is embodying. It's something like the Feast of Tabernacles, and Jesus is saying, "Yeah, that's I'm coming to do that. Yeah, Join yeah, me, totally." Yeah. And 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 when you and when you put a wrap or put a bow on it, I mean, you just did it. I'll say it in a different way, but you know, um, I'm not the light. I'm not. Jesus is the light of the world. I'm not the light, but however, when I become a Christian, I'm not just following some book of principles. Mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, I have a personal relationship with someone who basically infuses my life with his life. Mm-hmm. 
you know, I mean, I mean, that's the Holy Spirit's role. That's the that's that's what it's all about. And so, you know, and then then you have all of those verses that talk about me being the light of the world. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm the light of the world, and and it's not like, yeah, I'm not the light of the world. Like Jesus is the light of the mm-hmm. world, but guess mm-hmm. what? I'm the I'm the mini candle reflecting mm-hmm. what He's mm-hmm. done in my life. Yeah. So that's a full kind of the full circle of how the whole light thing shows up through the New Testament, at least. Well, and fascinatingly, that's how John began. You're almost quoting John 1, 6, where it says, there came a man, he was sent from God. His name was John. They're talking about John the Baptist, and this is the language you're using. He came as a witness to mm-hmm. testify about the light mm-hmm. so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light but he came as a witness to the light. And I think that's what Jesus has in mind and what you're uh, pointing out to us when he says things like, man, when you go embody this, you're like a city on a hill whose light goes out. You're like a light on its stand. And so, um, man, what a cool calling that is for us. And as we work through um, these I am statements, as we study this book together, uh, I hope that the, 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 the brilliance of what John is doing is coming out to us. I know a lot of this can be really familiar to us in the church, these I am statements, but um, John is masterfully weaving themes together and he wants us to pick up on. So uh, any last parting thoughts for us, Steve, for, for those listening to this for this week? No, I mean, there's just an incredible, um, there's just an incredible sense of confidence uh, in Jesus's statement because we know that there's literally, there's no corner of darkness that I could ever find myself in that, that, that's beyond the reach of the light of the world. We know that to be true. We see that in the face of Jesus. So uh, for those of y'all listening to Sermon Notes, we hope this is helpful. Uh, continue with us as we're, as we're diving into this book. We want to we be students of our King Jesus, and we do that through, uh, th- through his word. And I'm, I'm loving this, stu- this study here in John. So Steve, thanks for being with us. Always. Have a great week, everybody.